Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And welcome to Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season two, episode four of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Memory Lane. For an obvious reason, we're back in 1864, baby. Anytime we go back to 1864, we learn just a little bit more. And I'm pretty excited that it was a Catherine heavy 1864, because I feel like what else do we really need from the Salvatores at that time? To start us off, I'll read, as always, the Vampire Diaries wiki synopsis of this episode. Stefan takes drastic measures to find out the real reason Catherine has returned to Mystic Falls and is shocked when she reveals new secrets about what really happened in 1864. Damon tries a new tactic to resolve his issues with Mason, but it proves costly. Tyler pushes Mason to tell him the truth about the Lockwoods. Finally, when Catherine delivers an ultimatum, Stefan and Elena are left with very few options. It's Catherine's world and everyone else is just living in it, babe. Ain't that the truth? But let's jump into the episode. We start in 1864 at the Lockwood Mansion, or so we think. Well, I love because it said Lockwood Mansion, so we know that it's there, even though like it's a dream. I like to believe that Catherine like put the caption in the dream, like Lockwood Mansion, in case we forgot. So Catherine and Stefan are dancing and they're not touching, which we remember from Miss Mystic Falls. It's all about the simple intimacy of the near touch. Seems that that dance is a recipe for true love. I tell you. Yeah. (laughs) They're kind of like laughing, flirting. Stefan's like, oh, it seems like my brother's upset that you chose me. He he he. Of course he's upset. And Catherine says, well, your brother needs to accept that you're a better dancer. She must really be in love with him because I highly doubt that. (laughs) That just simply can't be true. And I was like, "Okay, well, it's Stefan's dream. Like he can give himself a compliment in his dream. Like I can't judge him for that. (laughs) And then Catherine says, well, it's okay. It looks like your brother found someone else to occupy his time. And Stefan looks over and Damon in 1864 garb is talking to Elena in 2010 garb. <laughs> Not even a, a fake bit of period costume on her. Stefan is understandably confused. So he like turns away from Catherine and starts to like chase them. And Catherine's like, hey, stop. We're dancing. Catherine's um, we're literally in the middle of a dance. So he chases them. He goes through a door and suddenly he's at the grill. And Elena's at the pool table and she says, your turn. And it looks like she's talking to Stefan. But as he starts to walk up, Damon comes out. And they hug, they kiss, they're playing pool. Stefan is visibly upset. You know, we hadn't gotten confirmed that Catherine was doing this yet. And I was like, damn, in his subconscious, Stefan is really a Delana stan. Yeah. yeah, I said, his brain knows something he won't admit yet, which is a theme in this episode, but not in that way. Yeah, but actually Catherine is a Delana stan. <laughs> not shocking. I think Catherine's more like, you know, I want to be with Stefan and that's easier if Elena's not there and if Damon's also not in love with me. So she's like, those two are the boring ones. They can be together. I think that's how Catherine views it. Yeah, Catherine's more of a Stefan fan. Stefan. That's that's a crazy couple name. I never would have guessed that. I love it. I mean, there's not really a better way to combine Stefan and Catherine. I was going to say Catherine because Stefan. Catherine. 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 So Catherine comes in in her 1864 clothes and says to Stefan, hey, it hurts, doesn't it? Now you know how I feel. OK, so don't fight it. You love me once and you'll love me again. And then they go back kind of to Founders Ball and she's like, I love you, Stefan. We'll be together again, I promise. And then Stefan bursts awake in the Salvatore house in present day. And he's like, oh, my God, bad dream. And he's and I'm sorry, this could not more clearly be Catherine cuddling with him. I know he's cuddling with Nina Dobrev 
And so we're meant to originally assume it's Elena, but her hair is curled. Her makeup is done. And she is like smirking in this cuddle because she's like, he, 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 he. he's like, I got him. But Stefan's, you know, just waking up. He hasn't really put all the pieces together yet. And then quickly you can see him like start. He's like, oh, I just had a bad dream. Go back to sleep. And then you can see him like open his eyes and be like, oh, that's Catherine. Yeah. He's like, wait, Elena didn't come here. Catherine says, you have to admit I'm getting better at this. I think it is so vibey that she was like, you're going to have a dream about us dancing at the ball and about your girlfriend going to your brother. She's like, I'm doing it all at once. Messing with his head, but also like, remember what a wonderful night in our love story that is clearly how she views it. So vibes. Catherine basically says like, yeah, I gave you that dream. So we know that. And she implies it's because he's not drinking human blood. But then she pushes him over and she's like, you know that I could tear you to shreds and do my nails at the same time. She is a lot stronger than him. A lot, a lot. And she's like, look, I just wanted to see you. And he's like, why are you back in town? And she says three reasons. You, you and you. You know, this is the beginning of many, many times of her answering this question with the same answer. And I honestly think this is the answer at this point. She basically leans into it. At first, I was like, well, okay, that's that's not it. But we'll see. And she says deep down in his ridiculously hot body is the Stefan that fell in love with her, too. I don't think it's that deep, honestly. Pretty shallow. So then we go over to the grill and we check in on Elena. She's reading and Damon sneaks up and sits with her and scares her. And he's like, so this is where you spend your time when you aren't stabbing people in the back. And Elena makes the astute observation that tricking him into telling the truth isn't backstabbing. It's using his own tactics against him, which she's got a point. (laughs) Which even when he said, oh, when you're not stabbing people in the back. And I was like, who did she stab in the back? Like, no one. She did. It's like, listen, Damon, I get that he has to make her feel bad to get like her back in his good graces. But her tricking you into giving her a book is not the same as you killing her brother. Yeah, let's all <laughs> let's all take a step back and remember how we ended up here. Let's have some perspective here, Damon. <laughs> so she gets up to leave because she's like, I'm not dignifying this conversation. And she's like, I think I've made it clear that I want nothing to do with you. And he says, okay, I'll see you at Jenna's barbecue. <laughs> and she says, how do you know about Jenna's barbecue? And he says, um, it was my idea. I orchestrated it because Jenna went to high school with Mason. So I told Alaric to ask Jenna to have a barbecue. And Elena's like, does Jenna know that you're coming? Because she does not like you. <laughs> and he has the masterful plan of ordering peach cobbler. Flawless plan, actually. It did work. She didn't kick him out when he got there. So call that a win for Damon. And he tells Elena that his plan for the day is to put some silver in Mason Lockwood to prove he's a werewolf. I don't know why this is necessary. A, because they know he's a werewolf. So who is he proving it to? Yeah, it feels like there must be a wolf, a a role for Wolf Spain somewhere. But he jumped over that and went right to silver. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like he should have just, I don't know, talked to him. Mason seemed very open to having a conversation. But Damon's not known for pivoting his plan when it's not going how he wants it to. I think he was prepared for a fight that wasn't really necessary and actually backfired on him quite significantly. He has a lot to think about. He's not operating at 100 right now. Damon is doing his best, but he's had a really rough few weeks. So then we go over to the Lockwood house to check in with our friend Mason And Tyler says, hey, Mason, can you like talk to me? And Mason says, no, I'm going to Jenna's barbecue. And on top of that, I really don't have much to say. Yes, I turned into a wolf. No, it's not going to happen to you. 
Yeah, Mason is just like, okay, like, yeah, I turn into wolf, like, move past it. And it's like, that's actually a substantial thing that happened. Yeah. He immediately says it's not going to happen to Tyler. First chink in your theory of the night. Yeah, I was like, well, how does he fucking know that? And Tyler says the same. He's like, how do you know? Tyler's very skeptical. And Mason's like, you're not going to trigger the curse. Your dad never knew about it, and neither did I until it happened. So this is a big chink in your theory. Yeah, that one hurt. The mayor was never a werewolf and never even knew about werewolves. He had the werewolf gene, so I wasn't fully wrong. But you had a lot of theories about when he was turning. Yeah, after you asked me, when does he turn? Yeah, he fully was burned in the basement and had no idea why. He really was like, I am a human. What the fuck? Sucks to be him. (laughs) You would think the mayor otherwise would have woken up in the basement and been like, Okay, I can see why this happened. Or it'd been like, hey, if we're going to use that device, maybe don't use it around me. Feels like maybe the Lockwoods should have kept better journals to pass down the information. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Do you think that Mason knows other werewolves? He must know they exist in theory, because where else would he have gotten any information? And he must know something about this moonstone. I mean, this moonstone is clearly doing something. We don't know what yet, but... He knows about that, and it wasn't from his brother, so it was someone. So do you have any idea how he knows about the Moonstone? Some other Lockwood? I I don't know. I would think that they would keep it kind of in the family. I don't know. I I get his justification for not telling anyone about the curse or, or what triggers the curse, and we'll get to that when we get to that, but it feels like you know what it is, you can avoid it. Exactly. Tyler asks how the curse is triggered, and Mason says, ignorance is bliss, If you know about it, all you're going to do is think about it. So Tyler is upset, but Mason says the less you know, the better. And Tyler says, hey, by the way, did you ever find that moonstone, which we know that Tyler found? And Mason says, do you know where it is? And Tyler says, why do you want it so bad? And Mason sticks to his story that it's sentimental to him. And if you can't find it, forget I brought it up. Meanwhile, it's sitting in Tyler's pocket. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's more important than just sentimental value. Mason does a very good job of kind of being subtle and being chill and like kind of covering up lies in a good way, but he wants this moonstone too bad. At this point, Tyler knows he's a wolf. Mason should just say, honestly, it'll help make my transition easier every full moon, but he's making it too important. So as we see later, Tyler's able to use it as leverage. The thing about Mason is that he didn't think about like how curious Tyler would be like, I'm sorry, if my uncle is turning into a wolf, I would like some answers about that. Yeah, he thought Tyler would just be like, oh, well, if it's not going to happen to me, okay, I'll move on. So then we go over to the Salvatore house where Catherine is reading Stefan's journal and drinking some blood from Damon's stash. I love the vibes of drinking blood out of like crystal glasses. I think that's so dope. Yeah. Stefan's like, oh, drinking blood I see and reading my journal I see. And Catherine says, oh, Right. You don't do human. I did read about that. I also read about your recent werewolf sighting. That must have come as a surprise. And so he clocks that Catherine is not surprised to learn about the existence of werewolves. And he says, what do you know about werewolves? And she says, I know not to pet one. (laughs) And then she says, look, their bite kills just steer clear at the full moon. And he says, how do you know that? And she's like, who do you think was responsible for ridding this town of vampires in 1864? Which Stefan at this point and we, the audience, know it was the founding families. But of course, the founding families, that was spearheaded by the Lockwoods, known werewolves. Catherine 
so kindly points Stefan back to the Founders Ball, and we flash back to 1864. This Founders Ball we've heard about before. Stefan escorted Catherine, and Catherine tells us it was before Stefan or Damon knew that she was a vampire. At the party, Damon makes a toast to George Lockwood for, quote, defending the South. Oh, brother. <laughs> hey, that, Damon. I thought you were the one who, who, de- who defected. <laughs> yeah. And George says, well, someone had to do it. Because Damon left. Yeah. And Damon laughs pretty good naturedly. So I'm glad they're friends. Well, George, no one really had to do it. You could have just, you know, given up the slaves. <laughs> but that's me. No one had to defend the South. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, that's not what this episode's about. Yeah. We can't go too deep into American history when we're watching <laughs> the vampire diaries. Yeah. <laughs> that's a slippery slope we'll never come out of. Yeah. And Henry who we know from the tomb and from a previous episode where he was John Gilbert's BFF, comes to get Catherine. She's like, "Mm, I'm at a party. And he's like, no, we really need to talk. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm trying to flirt. She's like, I'm busy. He's like, so I looked into those attacks and they weren't vampires. And she's like, "Okay, that's good news, Henry. We're safe. And Henry's like, no, no, you don't understand. These people were torn up worse than I've ever seen before. And Catherine's like, okay, so it's only a matter of time till the founders start investigating. And Henry says, we should leave town. Once again, if you're a vampire listening to this podcast and you think it's time to leave town, leave town. Don't second guess it. It seems like as a vampire, you got to keep pretty mobile. Yeah. Because you got to leave town at the right time. Exactly. And Catherine says, okay, relax. She said, oh my God, get the stick out of your butt, Henry. It's fine. She said, go get a fucking cocktail. She's like, and let me go dance with my little boyfriend. And she looks over at George. And so we flash back to the Salvatore house. Flash forward, I suppose. (laughs) And Stefan's like, oh, so all the Lockwoods are werewolves. And she says, no, no, no. The gene runs in the family, but they're not all wolves. We get a lot of werewolf questions answered right now. Yeah, she confirms that there is a werewolf gene and all the Lockwoods pass it down, which means it must be a dominant gene. (laughs) We can't get into science Um, the same way we can't get into American history. Stefan says, oh, is it just the Lockwoods? And Catherine says, no, there's other werewolves, but there's very few. They're practically extinct. So do you think werewolves packs tend to stay in their families or do you think they radiate outwards? It doesn't seem necessarily that there are large packs. Okay. Because it seems that werewolves are very focused on like, this is a curse we have. If we advertise it, we'll get fully extinct. Let's just cover our shit, chain ourselves up on the full moon and be done with it. Clearly for Mason, and I'm assuming other werewolves fall into this too, he knows about vampires and he knows who some of the vampires are. So if I'm a werewolf pack that has come together through like the four existing werewolf families or something, I'm not living in Mystic Falls. I don't need to poke that bear. Do you think we're going to meet other werewolves who are not Lockwoods? I'm sure at some point or another, Mason has found a way to interact with some other werewolf because he has all this information and it doesn't seem like it's information you could really stumble into just by turning once a month. So I'm assuming somehow there's been some contact. I don't know how they contact each other, how they would know any of that. And then Catherine changes the subject. She says, my turn to ask a question. Why do you keep this picture of me? Great question, Miss Catherine. She said, why not tear it up or burn it if you hate me so much? We've been asking this question since the pilot of this show. Yeah. 
Catherine says, you know, you keep asking me why I came back to town. Why did you come back to town? Not for Elena. You came back to town to fall in love with me all over again, didn't you? Now, Stefan notably doesn't answer the question. He doesn't answer any of those questions. He touches Catherine's face and he says, what is it about you that makes me still care? She tries to kiss him. They get a little kiss in and then he stabs her with a vervain dirt. I mean, even if he's not still in love with her, I mean, I think he he's going to have some reckoning to do after this episode. He clearly has some unresolved feeling. Yeah, he's spent all this time being like, well, she compelled me so nothing was real. And that's a very clean little bow. But it has basically been torn apart by the end of this episode. And again, it has to be unresolved because he's dating a girl who looks exactly like her. If you weren't in love with her, if you hated her so much, why are you dating her doppelganger? I mean, let's get to that. So Stefan locks Catherine up in the dungeon beneath the Salvador house and he gets back to questioning. He is like, again, I want to know why you came back to town. And she says, it was for you. And he says, "Okay, we're going to play by my rules now. And he puts on some gloves, picks up some vervain, holds it up to her face and burns her skin. Ouch. Yeah. And he says, I want the truth. And she's like, "Okay, well, back in 1864. And he says, I don't want to hear stories about the past. And she (laughs) says, actually, you do. So fuck off. She's like, that's literally the point, Kang. Like, she's like, first of all, I already answered the question truthfully, but you didn't believe me. So I better give you some history so you understand why I gave you that answer. Because you're clearly not going to believe me either way. So back in 1864, George approaches Catherine and he's like, hey. And she's like, well, this party's great. Your dad has really outdone himself. And he's like, yeah, knowing my dad, there's going to be a party like this every year. And don't we know it? He's going to go a little further than that. It's going to be a month of that every year. Catherine's like, you know, to be honest, I'm surprised you came looking for me. And he's like, oh, because you're the rope in the Salvatore Brothers tug of war. And she's like, no, because I'm a vampire and I could kill you in your sleep, you dumbass bitch. And he like pretends to be surprised and like tries to leave. And she's like, let's cut the shit. okay? I know, you know, my secret, but I also know your secret. And I know you're strong, but not as strong as me. So she's like, you might be able to bite me on a full moon, but I'm fucking stronger, you piece of shit. Yeah, she's like, but I could kill you tonight. And he was like, "Okay." He was like, I was just trying to flirt with you, but okay, I guess we're doing this now. And he's like, so how do you know who I am? And she said, you think I would have settled into a town without knowing my enemies? She said, do you think I'm a fucking idiot? (laughs) So we also know that Catherine knew about werewolves before she came to Mystic Falls. It kind of gives the vibe that she in some way researched places to go and landed on Mystic Falls for a reason. And I think part of that reason could have been other vampires, but also that there are werewolves there that kind of help distract from the vampire thing. It's like, well, if I'm not the only supernatural creature, then I'm not going to be the obvious target. We know regardless that Catherine in 1864 was well aware of the existence of werewolves. Yeah, she knew Werewolves existed, knew they were in Mystic Falls. So I think it does stand to reason she knew there were vampires in Mystic Falls before she got there. Because I don't think she was the first vampire. Well, Mystic Falls was being founded in 1864. So that's true. I don't know how founding of towns works. If people already lived there, if everyone moved in and they're like, let's found a town. I have literally no idea. Either way, George realizes he's backed into a corner and he says, "Okay, what do you want? And then we go back to the dungeon and Stefan's like, what did he want? And then Catherine sits across from him. And before we get that answer, we go back over to the Gilbert house or not back. We haven't seen the Gilbert house yet in this episode. We're at the Gilbert house getting ready for a party, baby. And Elena thanks Jenna for inviting Caroline because Caroline's had a rough couple weeks. 
we all know why. And Jenna's yeah. like, I'm not worried about Caroline. I'm annoyed that Damon is coming. Jenna was like, that was not an issue to invite Caroline. She's a fucking delight. Caroline is your best friend. I don't care that your best friend is invited. Jenna's like, why is Damon coming? And Elena says, because Alaric is a pity taker. And that is a smart reason. Because it doesn't seem that Elena has really connected the dots that Jenna saw her kissing Damon or quote unquote saw her kissing Damon. And Jenna hasn't said anything to Elena. Elena knows that Damon kissed who he thought was Elena, but she doesn't know Jenna knew anything about that at all. Yeah. And Elena says, you know, just be nice to him. And Jenna says she'll be nice when he learns to keep his paws off of her. So and Elena makes a face there that she's like, when would she have seen that happen? So the only bad thing about Jenna is that she ships Stelena. Jenna confirmed Stelena shipper. Jenna, I can fix you. So then Mason comes in with shot glasses and Elena's like, that's my cue to leave. Party pooper, take a shot. Yeah, what do you mean that's your cue to leave? That's my cue to fucking cozy up to Mason, babe. So Jenna and Mason talk about how they were big partiers in high school. Surprise, surprise, of course they were. And Alaric comes in and he's like, oh my God, you brought expensive liquor. I like you already. Alaric says this barbecue is his idea. It wasn't, but he's selling it because he <laughs> wants to meet some of Jenna's high school friends, which is just Mason because he's the only person invited who went to high school with Jenna. But he wants to learn about werewolves. So yeah. And, and the only other one of Jenna's high school friends that Alaric has met is Logan. So yeah, he also killed him. I think he's learned everything he needs to learn. And Alaric says he wants to dig up dirt on Jenna in high school. The dirt was that she was fun. Yeah. And Jenna says she has no secrets, only dirty shame. And so they cheers. They have fun. And then Damon enters and Alaric's like, oh, my God, Damon, we were just doing shots. Do you want one? And Jenna's like, here, you can have my glass. I'm going to go. Damon turns to Mason. He's like, she doesn't like me very much. And Mason's like, oh, we haven't met yet. I'm Mason Lockwood. And Damon says, oh, yeah, I'm Damon Salvatore. And Mason says, I've heard great things about you. And Damon says, that is weird because I'm a dick. I just have two words to say about these two. Eiffel Tower. I was going to say the exact thing. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I have one word for Mason Lockwood and Damon Salvatore. Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go out to the porch where Elena is calling Stefan and she's like, hey, um, did you get my message about the barbecue? I'm kind of worried about you. Talk to you soon. And Caroline comes out to the porch and joins her with a bowl full of chips. Hot girls eat chips. And Elena's like, oh, yeah, I'm just worried about Stefan. And Caroline's like, he's probably fine. Anyway, I'm eating a lot because <laughs> Stefan says it curbs cravings. She's like, it is so hard to crave blood every second of the day. And Elena can't relate to that, but she tries to relate and says, yeah, I know Stefan hates that part of himself. And Caroline's like, yeah, and he hates that you're a constant temptation. Yeah, she's like, yeah, he hates that he wants to kill you every time he fucking hangs out with you. And Elena's like, what? <laughs> well, Elena's like, did he say that? Yeah. And Caroline's like, trust me, the desire to rip out your jugular every time he's with you, it's there. That's why I dumped Matt. Yeah, why, why you dumped Matt. It's okay, Caroline. That's the story I'm telling myself too, Queen, but let's let's remember. And Alaric's like, hey, the food's ready. And Caroline's like, awesome, I'm starving. And Elena's like, what the fuck was that conversation? <laughs> Elena's like, well, I hated that. Speaking of not fun, <laughs> we go back to the dungeon. <laughs> Stefan says, hey, listen. We can sit here as long as you want. And once you start to desiccate, there's a tomb with your name on it. And she's like, okay, little rude. 
She said, uh, yeah, first of all, I've never been in that tomb and I won't be, but okay. Yeah. She says, I've never been there and I'm not going to start now. Yeah. And she says, do you pretend to be human when you're with Elena? Is that the appeal? And he says, actually, I don't pretend to be anything. I can just be myself. Okay. Well, up until like season one, episode 19, you were pretending to not be a bloodthirsty killer. So let's not pretend you've always been yourself around her. He really uh, do be revising history when he's talking to Catherine. Sounds like someone's trying to impress someone. Yeah, he was pretending to be human. That was the appeal. Duh. Yeah. And Catherine says, well, does Elena know that you love me? And he says, (laughs) well, I don't. And she says, wrong. (laughs) She said, no. She says, incorrect. Vibe. She is going to make him love her through force of sheer will. Yeah, she's literally manifesting it. Yeah. (laughs) And so she's like, well, don't you remember when you took me home after the Founders Ball? And so, of course, we go back to 1864. See, after the Founders Ball. And she's like, your family took me in. So we see him walking her to her room, being like, you can stay here as long as you want. It's so tragic that you lost your family in the fire. Do you think she really lost her family in a fire in Atlanta? No, (laughs) no. Let's be honest. No one thought that was true. Even way back when like Pearl made a joke about it. Like she was like, (laughs) oh, yeah, you lost your family in a fire. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's a lie. It's a good lie. Nobody wants to be like, oh, what caused the fire? Which family members died in the fire? Like, no one is asking questions. No one's going to ask follow-up questions. Yeah, there's like, oh, shit, that sucks. So here's (laughs) my question. What do you think Catherine's actual history is? We will learn about it eventually this season. But do you have theories about Catherine's history? I could see her being an orphan, but I also think there's a good chance that she, you know, we know she came from some Eastern European country, Ms. Petrov. And so I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that she just like fled that country for whatever reason. I don't think her fa- her whole family is necessarily dead. And I think there's a good chance, you know, that she maybe had some babies in that past country pre-vampire. I mean, somehow those genes got to Elena. How do you think Catherine turned? Do you have any theories on that? I would put it similar to like Isabel vibes, not necessarily the same thing, but like she learned about it from someone and was like, oh, hell yeah, do that to me. And it might have been a way to get away from her family. I think that was her ticket out of Eastern Europe. So then she says basically to Stefan that she's going to stay in Mystic Falls as long as she's wanted. And Stefan assures her that she is very much wanted. Yeah, he's like, so forever, please. Yeah, and they stare at each other and he says, you know, I know we've only known each other for a short time, but I've never met a woman quite like you. And he never will again, babe. And he says, when I look at you, I see an angel. That that one was a misread. You uh-huh. might want to get your eyes checked. <laughs> he got that 50-50. Angel, I don't think w- would be Catherine's. Yeah, you can see when he says it too, she's like, okay, that's a misread. Yeah, she's like, ooh, you, you are really in love with me if you think that. And then he <laughs> says, you know, when I touch you, my entire body ignites. And when I kiss you, I know I'm falling in love. And then he kisses her and he says, yeah, I'm in love with you. He says, no, I'm in love now. He's down terrible. She says, you know, there's a lot you don't know about me. And he says, more to learn in love. Oh, no. (laughs) And it's notable, you know, in this scene, we don't see any compulsion. He offered up that I'm in love with you pretty freely. Yeah. And she's like very clearly shaken up by this little confession. And she's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to go to bed. And he's like, have I upset you? And she said, no, you've just surprised me. Do you think she's truly surprised? 
I think she's truly surprised. And we see a couple shots of her really holding on to her lips after that kiss. She sends him away because she's freaked out. And Catherine's not used to being surprised by people. And she doesn't really know what to do with it. She says goodnight. She goes into her room and Damon is there waiting for her. Like a little sad little puppy dog. He's like, hi, Catherine. And he tries to kiss her. And she's like, and she's like, I'm tired. Go to bed. And he's like, oh, did my little brother's confession like overwhelm you? And she's like, can you just go? And he's like, is my love not enough? Mama, if you have to ask. This is so sad because this whole time it's been like, it was like, she never compelled me. She never compelled me. And then we see her compel him and be like, leave my fucking room right now. Yeah, she's like, can you get the fuck out of here? That that one hurt. <laughs> I mean, it is just truly, truly heartbreaking that Damon spent pretty much his entire life up until recently obsessed with Catherine, a girl who notably never loved him barely wanted to hang out with him it seems talk about rewriting history in the same way that Stefan was like oh no we were never in love and shut that out Damon built up like the few good memories and just forgot all the shit where she was like leave me alone so Damon does leave and Catherine like touches her lips thoughtfully seeming very in love with Stefan there so then we go back to the dungeon in present day And Catherine says, listen, you can torture me all you want, but it's not going to change the truth. I never compelled your love. It was real. And so was mine. And Stefan does not take this revelation well at all. He cannot even look her in the eye at this point because he knows she's right. He's been sorting through it. But if he really goes back and thinks about it, she didn't compel his love. But we unpack more of that in a second. For now, we go over to a lighter scene at the Gilbert house where they're playing Pictionary. And (laughs) Damon has drawn a little like dog in a tutu. Yeah, that is what it is. Caroline got it right. (laughs) And Mason says dances with wolves. You can tell he knows what is happening right now. I mean, Damon's not being very subtle and Mason's picking up on it. And then Damon goes into the kitchen to check on Elena. And he says, Jenna's getting tipsy. And Elena's like, well, then could you stop plying her with alcohol? And he's like, well, I want her to like me. And Elena says, oh, well, how's Operation Lockwood? And he says, he's my new BFF. Not for long. Yeah, you're you're misreading that, Damon. And Jenna enters and she's like, this is so much fun. And Damon's like, thank you for inviting me. I mean, I know what you must think of me. And she says, no, actually, you don't because you've never dated you. I've dated many yous. Her picker is not the best. But at least she knows her picker is not the best. At least Alaric's a good pick overall. She's making steps to improve that, clearly. But her younger self was not the best at choosing them yeah and damon says he's a work in progress which is what every fuck boy says and then he comments on the silver set which jenna has taken out for the barbecue and not to nitpick but what casual barbecue do you take out a silver set for no offense to jenna jenna is not the type to use a silver set for anything do you think that bitch is polishing silver no and so it makes you think like Damon must have compelled her to use the silver set because he wanted silver so bad. she has Vervain. I don't know. Someone must have brought it up. Maybe Alaric was like, oh, this is a cool silver set. It would be cool to use silver for a barbecue where we've invited over essentially one person. And I don't see them barbecuing anything. We only see them eat peach cobbler and drink. I mean, look, not to nitpick because I understand it's a storytelling mechanism, but calling this a barbecue is a little strange. It is strange that Damon thought Mason wasn't going to figure out what was going on here. He really phoned this one in. So then we go back to the dungeon and Catherine's like, I know you must be a little overwhelmed since you've been in denial for so long. And Stefan says, no, like, I remember you compelling me. Like that came back to me. And she says, 
yeah, after you found out I was a vampire, I had to compel away your fear. Yeah, she was like, you were in love with me before I started compelling you. And Stefan says, well, all those feelings have turned to hate now. So like that's done. And Catherine says, oh, love, hate, such a fine line. And I know that's her like standard argument, but it's a good point. Her confidence is really winning her this conversation. And also because you can tell Stefan knows this is at least partially true. He can't look at her right now. Yeah, he's literally like sitting and looking at the wall away from her. He's like, no, no, I wasn't in love with you. It's like, well, then fucking say it to my face. Look me in the (laughs) eye and say that. Yeah. But Catherine, benevolent goddess that she is, gives Stefan a break and goes back to information about George Lockwood. She said, so George Lockwood used the vampires to cover up the werewolves and he reported it to the founders. So I made a deal with him to rid the town of vampires because smart of George to get ahead of it. That's a good move up by George Lockwood. Pretty solid work by George. Backbone of the entire Mystic Falls Founders Council, George Lockwood. Jonathan Gilbert and Giuseppe Salvatore thought they were serving and George Lockwood was doing everything. I do love every time we learn something new about the Founders Council, like in 1864 or current times, it's usually one person doing all the work and just letting the other people think they're doing something. We go back to 1864 where George and Catherine are walking out on the lawn. Catherine is serving a beautiful red look and a tiny black umbrella. Yeah, this is a this is a fit. And George said he spoke to Giuseppe Salvatore. The roundup is going to happen tonight. And Catherine says, OK, and insists that they do a head count before burning the church for 27 vampires. And then George is like, awesome. Then after the flames have started and they create a sufficient distraction, you can crawl to the exit under the choir loft and I'll set you free there. And she says, I want to make it super clear. I want everyone to think that I died in this fire. And so then in the dungeon, Stefan's like, wait, so you knew they were going to burn the church? And she's like, yeah, I practically lit the match. I know I should be over Pearl by now. This is bitch behavior to Pearl. It was a good plan on Catherine's part. I just wish she brought Pearl out with her. Stefan is shocked by this revelation. He's like, they were your friends and family and you just sold them out. And she said, yep, without blinking. What can I tell you? I'm looking out for numero uno. I said, that sounds like me. Yeah, she said, yeah, I was there. I know what I did. And the plan worked because you thought I was dead for 150 years. So then we go back over to the Gilbert house where Damon is serving up the cobbler. He's put a little like silver serving thing in it. And he says, Mason, why don't you start us off? Mason clocks the silver thing. So he takes it and he spins the pan and takes a piece out with his hand. I understand what he's doing, but at what party would everyone not immediately call him out? I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why'd you do that? Both Damon and Alaric are kind of giving him a look, and it's because they both know about the silver. Jenna's probably too drunk to care. But Jenna's probably like, classic Mason! And the way he covers it is he's like, what can I say? I'm an animal. I get why he did it, but I was like, okay, I thought you were going to cover that better. So no one really says anything. He gets away with it, but it is a weird move. And so Alaric changes the subject. He says, so Mason, did you and Jenna ever date? One more chink in Jenna's armor is all I'll say. And Jenna says, that was my first mistake. She said, but Mason had girls lined up. He was really popular. Then Damon says, oh, I always had you pegged as a lone wolf. And Mason says, I'm sure I wasn't half the lady killer you were. And oh boy, are we having fun. It's like, okay, so we both, we both know what's happening here. So Mason raises a toast to new friends. 
And so then we check in with Caroline and Elena, who are in the living room, not involved in this party. Why invite Caroline to this barbecue if they're not all going to hang out? But whatever. And Elena's like, you know, Stefan hasn't gotten back to me by now. Damon clearly has everything under control here. I'm going to go check on Stefan. And Caroline's like, no, don't leave. You know, there's like nothing worse than a clingy girlfriend. And Elena's like, "Um, I'm not really being clingy. I'm concerned. So jot that down. Yeah, she's like, would you be so mad if I left to go see Stefan? And essentially Caroline's like, yes. And Elena's like, what? It's like, well, then why'd you ask, Elena? Yeah, but Caroline doesn't have a good reason why she would be mad. Yeah, she's trying, but I think she was hoping she could get away with her not calling Stefan as much. Yeah, Caroline sees that this is getting away from her, so she offers to drive Elena. And at this point, it's pretty clear Caroline knows that Catherine is at the Salvatore house. It's clear that Caroline doesn't want Elena to leave. And when they go to the car, there's some ominous music playing. So it's like, what is so ominous? And then Caroline like breaks her tire before getting into drive. So at this point, it's clear she's delaying the arrival to the Salvatore house. And so you astutely observe she probably knows Catherine is there. Yeah, because there's no other reason she would stop Elena from going there. Because clearly Stefan didn't say to Caroline, I want to kill Elena sometimes. Like he may be helping her with the vampire thing, but he definitely didn't say that. Well, yeah, he probably said, like, when you have feelings for someone, you're attracted to them. You can confuse it with hunger. That happens all the time to new vampires. Yeah. But I'm sure he wasn't like, yeah, every time I see Elena, I do want to kill her. But don't tell her I said that. (laughs) Yeah. So then we go back over to the dungeon. Stefan says, well, what did George get in return for helping you? And Catherine says something he wanted desperately. And Stefan doesn't ask a follow up. Yeah. Stefan says good enough for me. It's like, don't you want to know what it is he wanted so desperately? He's not the best interrogator. Yeah, instead, Stefan's like, I still can't believe you sent all of your friends and family to your death just to fake your own. And she's like, okay. I mean, I'm sorry. Do you think that her whole family really died in a fire now? Maybe let's think about that a little bit, Stefan. She faked one fire. And Stefan observes. He says, okay, obviously you were running from something. And she says everyone has a past. Do you think Catherine was running from something? And if so, what do you think she's running from? I think, you know, someone trapped her down. I mean, she's always looking out for herself first. That's the way to live. That's why she's still alive right now. And so I'm sure someone from some past was like, Catherine escaped some other fire, maybe the one her family died in. And someone else was like, hey, where's that bitch that escaped the fire or started the fire? So why would they want to track her down just to kill her? Just to kill her. Sure. Because clearly she could have kept living in Mystic Falls without people knowing she was a vampire. Like that seems like that could have happened. Do you think so? I, because I, it feels like George Lockwood was going to get all the vampires caught anyway. She was already on his side. It feels like she could have been like, hey, don't tell anybody I'm a vampire. Unfortunately, Stefan and Damon kind of gave it away anyway. So I guess probably not. But then Catherine says, you know, but thanks to you, my plan almost failed before it began. Because, and then we do a little review of what happened in season one, episode 20, Blood Brothers, that basically Catherine went to go see Stefan one last time. Giuseppe Salvatore famously gave Stefan Vervain to poison Catherine's blood. She ended up in the carriage taking her to the tomb, which we now know she wanted to go to the tomb because she had an exit strategy. She's like, and then dumbass Damon saved me from the carriage. And so they try to pull her out of the carriage to stop her from going to the tomb that she wants to go to. Yeah, she's like, oh my God. Like, Damon, get off my ass. I am begging you. Stefan's like, we wanted to save you. And Catherine's like, I didn't want to be saved. And Stefan says, so me and Damon died for nothing. 
And she says, no, you died for love. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Hard for Stefan to swallow. And then we go back over to the Gilbert house. And Mason finds Damon in the kitchen. And he says, Jenna just brought out Guitar Hero. I think it's time to mutiny. Ha ha ha. And Damon says, well, I like Guitar Hero. So you're barking up the wrong tree. And Mason says, okay, enough with the innuendos. You win. You're hilarious. Yeah, Mason's like, okay, can we stop with this? It's getting obnoxious. And then Mason says, you think I don't know what this barbecue is about? And Damon's like, how do you know about me? Your brother was completely clueless. And Mason doesn't answer the question. He says, doesn't matter. I'm not your enemy. And Damon says, "Mm, you tried to kill my brother. Mason says, that's an accident. I was confused. I couldn't chain myself up in time. I don't have control once I shift. You know, there was a vampire and I was a werewolf. I was just kind of sniffing. So that's a little interesting clue that during transitions, they can't really control their actions. Yeah. It's an instinct kind of thing. Yeah. Damon makes a joke about obedience school, but Mason is serious. Mason's like, look, let's not spark some age old feud that doesn't apply to us. Yeah. Mason's like, this feud is useless. It's not something I care about. Like, I'm not trying to kill all the vampires. I'm just trying to live my life. Damon assumes that Mason is in Mystic Falls for some other reason. And Mason says it's because he lost his brother and Tyler lost his father. So he's here for his family. Do you believe that's the reason he's in Mystic Falls? I mean, I think that definitely gives an easy excuse. I get the sense that Mason is very aware of how things look and how to kind of keep the werewolf secret a thing. So I don't think he would have shown up if this hadn't happened because he has an excuse for this. He has a lie built in, you know? I don't know what else he would be here for. I mean, he clearly wants that moonstone for some reason. And we know George Lockwood wanted that moonstone. So I don't know why he couldn't get that when the mayor was alive or why he would need it right now. But that seems like one of the only reasons I can see because he doesn't need to train Tyler as long as Tyler, you know, keeps shit together. (laughs) But it's interesting because Mason knows about vampires and the mayor didn't. Mm -hmm. So where he got that information, I'm not sure. That's a good question. So Damon just like stares at Mason and Mason's like, let's be above this. And they shake hands. And then as soon as Mason leaves, Damon grabs the silver knife because he's not going to be above this. Damon said, "Mm, that doesn't sound like me. So then we check in at Caroline's car. She's driving a lovely Ford. And Elena's like, hey, thanks for driving me. And Caroline's being a little snippy. Caroline says, look, it's my own drama. She's like, I'm sure you and Stefan will beat the odds, even though there's not really a study. I wonder what the success ratio is for vampire human relationships. I'm guessing nil. So Elena is annoyed that Caroline is basically shitting on her entire relationship. So they ride in silence and they turn up the music on the radio. And then Elena says, like, I like this song. And Caroline asks her cur what the song is. And the cur names it a nice little subtle Ford spawn in the middle of a conflict heavy scene. Yeah, at least she didn't say, hey, Ford Fusion. Slightly smoother than that. There was a time in like 2010, 2011, where Ford was on every TV show. Every time there was a character driving a car, it was a Ford, famously on New Girl and on this show as well. Paying their coin. And then the tire pops, which Caroline was expecting. Caroline's like, oh, finally, we were getting pretty close to the Salvatore house. You know, Caroline's like, Jesus Christ, how good is this Ford? <laughs> yeah. So then we go over to the Gilbert house. Mason is heading out. He says, like, am I the only one who wants to get drinks at the grill right now? And Jenna and Alaric are going to stay behind. And he's like, oh, man, it's like I'm with a bunch of adults. And Jenna's like, I'm a role model. Ha ha ha. We have fun. 
Yeah. Jenna's like, I only get drunk at my house. (laughs) So Mason hugs Jenna and says, this was so much fun. And then Mason shakes Alaric's hand. He says, hey, Alaric, let's catch that game next week. And Alaric's like, yeah, looking forward to it. So they're vibing. They're making friends. And then Damon's like, oh, I'm also going to head out. And he says, Jenna, you have been a wonderful hostess. And he kisses her hand and she pulls away her hand and she says, and you are a terrible artist. But she's clearly warming up to him. They're friends, you know, fun people, you know, attract other fun people. And so Damon starts to head out the door and he says, hey, Alaric, let's not catch that game next week. And Alaric's like, oh, there's my friend. He's so funny. Yeah, Alaric (laughs) and Damon have uh, their friendship has really grown. So then we go over and check in with Elena and Caroline, who are now on the side of the road. They're waiting for a tow. And according to Elena, they've been waiting a long time. I was kind of like, did Caroline call the tow truck? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wonder if on the phone, Caroline was like, hey, I need a tow, but like no rush. Like take your time getting here. Yeah, I honestly thought she like pretended to call, which probably would have been a better move. But Yeah, honestly. So Elena's like, you know what? I'm just going to call Jenna. And Caroline says like, no, 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 wait. Like I'll just call the tow people again. And I'll use my aggro voice. And Elena's like, we can walk from here. And Caroline's like, well, I can't leave my car here. Yeah. Caroline's pulling out all the stops, but Elena is determined. Elena's like, what do you not understand about the fact that I'm worried about Stefan? And Caroline's like, I'll tell you what I don't understand. I don't understand why you're hurrying to get to a relationship that will never work. That is clearly not working out. And Elena's like, what the fuck? Elena's like, oh my God, I get that you're upset about Matt, but can you please not project onto me? And Caroline's like, I'm not projecting. It is what it is. You're a human. He's a vampire. You're going to be 70 years old and in diapers and he's going to be smoking hot and you can never have his kids, by the way. And you're way too maternal to not be a mother. She is making points. And I do like that she threw in the maternal thing. So it was at least kind of a compliment. So Elena didn't feel completely shit on. Yeah. Even though she is trying to trick her, she is making good points that no doubt Elena has considered. Caroline says, like, I'm just trying to be your friend. And Elena says, well, could you stop trying? Bitch. And then the tow truck arrives and she's like, look, the tow is here. I'm just going to walk. And Caroline's like, please don't leave me alone. And the tow guy's like, hey, who called about a flat tire? And Elena's like, she did. And then leaves. And Caroline's like, well, I did what I could. Caroline really pulled out all the stops. She did a lot of work. Catherine underestimated how much Elena wants to hang out with Stefan. Yeah. For someone who's so in love with Stefan, weird to think that his girlfriend doesn't feel the same way. Exactly. So then we go over to the alley behind the grill. Mason pulls up, presumably to go in and get a drink. Damon approaches and Mason's like, hey, you got any more dog jokes? And Damon says, nope, those got old. And he stabs Mason with the silver. And then he goes to like investigate in Mason's car because he's like, "Okay, I cleared that up. That's done now. And Mason makes a little voice because he he did just get stabbed. Yeah, but he pretty easily pulls the knife out and gets up and he says, you know, I think werewolves started the myth about silver, probably for moments like these. And Damon can tell immediately that this is not good. Yeah, he's like, okay, I didn't do a good job here. It is vibes to, as a supernatural creature, be like, oh my God, we should tell everyone that silver kills us. And then they spend all their money on fancy silver weapons and they don't die. And I'll just say, you know, he bounced back really fast from a stab wound in the abdomen. It seems like werewolves are pretty good at healing themselves too. And Mason says, well... Now you've made an enemy. And Damon's like, no, oh, fuck me, dude. <laughs> it's like, God fucking dude. If Damon was smart, he'd just kill Mason right now and get it done. Yeah, he but... should have just snapped the neck real quick. I mean, the time's up. But he doesn't. He gets a little worried. 
So then we go back to the dungeon and Stefan's like, why did you come back to Mystic Falls? And Catherine's like, have you not been listening? I've answered that question like five times. How many fucking times do I have to say this, you dumbass? He says, great, make it six. And Catherine says, listen, Stefan, I want what I want and I'll do what I need to do to get it. I have a long list of victims and I have no problem adding one more person to that list. Implication is that one person is Miss Elena Gilbert. Yeah, like I'll kill Elena and it won't affect me. Stefan attempts to call her bluff. He says, you know, if you wanted to kill her, you would have done it by now. And she says, I still can. That is like, it's not as good of an argument as Stefan thinks it is because let's take a second to think about Miss Catherine. She is not the type to kill someone immediately. She wants to really fuck shit up before she kills Elena. And I think also because she knows it's a pretty big bargaining chip with both Salvatore brothers and anyone else in Elena's life, including the friend that she just turned into a vampire, that if she says she'll kill Elena, they'll do what she says. And if they stop doing what she says, she can kill Elena. Do you think Catherine's end goal in Mystic Falls is to kill Elena? I don't think she's like dying to, but I don't think she's against doing it if she has to. But like, what would make her have to? Like if Stefan like really won't come to her side and she's like, okay, well, I'll get rid of my competition. Well, it just seems like, why would she not have killed her? Like, do do you think there's any reason why Catherine wants Elena alive? Because it seems like her first move should have been killing Elena. Why waste time? I think it's a bargaining chip more than anything, because if she had killed Elena right at the start, Stefan wouldn't have even like remotely entertained this like at least right now he's like well he didn't kill well she didn't kill elena so that's not what she's here for so what is she here for it automatically made him willing to talk to her okay whether he says he's like not really talking to her or not he is talking to her extensively because i also think Catherine is like look it would be nice if damon had someone else to flirt with so i could be left alone elena's a very worthy distraction for damon that's a smart um read on the situation <laughs> Whether it's correct, I don't know. (laughs) So Catherine says, look, I'll kill Elena if I have to. And you do know that. So Stefan responds by grabbing a stake and holding it up to Catherine. But he doesn't kill her. And she says, guess you don't hate me as much as you thought. I'm sorry, Stefan. If you really hated her, you would have staked her right then and there. Yeah. Uh, If we really get down to it, if you really hated her, you would have staked her when you had the vervain dirt before so Catherine knows now that she has a little bit of power because clearly Stefan actually doesn't want to kill her. And Catherine says, I want you to stop dating Elena. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, that's really not your business. She says, look, you have to stop dating Elena or I will kill everyone she loves while she watches and then I will kill her while you watch. Sound good? And that is a powerful threat. So he lifts the stake up again. He says, oh, I will kill you. And whether or not that's true doesn't matter because Catherine pushes him over pretty easily and breaks out of the chains. She breaks out of the chains like they are made of scotch tape. She says, let's cut the shit. I've been sipping vervain for 145 years and I've built a tolerance. I don't want to get caught by surprise again like I did in 1864. So she was just pretending to be weak to talk to Stefan all day. Incredible. She was like, well, if at least if I'm tortured, he's going to talk to me all day because he thinks I can't leave. He thought he was torturing her and held all the cards. And she's just like, I just missed you. I wanted to spend some time with you. It's like, I just wanted to hang out. And then as if on cue, and it is on cue because it's a TV show, <laughs> Elena arrives. And Catherine says, oh, Elena says, Stefan. And Stefan like looks up and looks at Catherine like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And so Catherine stakes Stefan in the leg to slow him down. Smart. And goes upstairs. 
Catherine's like, hi, you must be Elena. I am Catherine. Nice to meet you. And Elena is shooketh by this because it's one thing to know there's someone out there who looks exactly like you. And it's another thing to be staring at them in the face. And this is the first time they've met. Yeah, this is the first time they've met face to face. They've been in the same room before, but they haven't spoken. Yeah, Catherine's always gotten away. And Elena says, how do we look alike? And Catherine just circles her and says, you're asking the wrong questions. Now, that's interesting. And also, like, what do you mean, how do you look alike? You're related. Like, it's weird that you look exactly the same for sure. But like, I don't really think there's much of an answer there. Do you think it's that simple that they just look exactly like because they are related? I'm sure there's something more complex just because like. Because I'm asking you that question. Because you're asking me that question, but also because like, it's really weird that two descendants from very distant sections would look alike. The odds of that genetically, and I know that we don't need to get the genetics of it, but just, you know, genetically, that's very odd. And your theory too is that Catherine, since we know vampires can't get pregnant, mm-hmm. that Catherine was pregnant before becoming a vampire, and that's where Elena's descendants come from. Catherine's descendants leading to Elena. It could be Catherine getting pregnant or one of Catherine's siblings. I mean, it's all the genes, you know? Catherine didn't necessarily have to start this whole bloodline. I mean- We can assume there's more of this family. There's a family somewhere. They may have died in a fire. They may not have. And what I want to hop on is that Catherine, so Catherine says that Elena is asking the wrong questions when she's asking, why do we look alike? What do you think the right questions are? I think what Catherine is trying to get at here of like, well, you should be asking Stefan why he wanted to date two girls who look alike. I think that's part of it. But also like, you know, I think in Catherine's mind, it's the same thing of like, well, why does it matter why we look alike? Like the fact is that we do. And like, I'm here to fuck your life up. Like, shouldn't you be a little bit more concerned with that? So then Stefan comes upstairs and Catherine is gone. Stefan and Elena both ask each other if they're okay, And they both say not really. And Stefan's is a little bit more loaded than Elena's, but we don't get to that. So we go over to the grill where Caroline is in the bathroom and Catherine sneaks up behind her and Caroline is scared to see her. And Catherine says, hey, care to share how you couldn't follow through on one simple task? Caroline's like, I tried. So Caroline says, look, I couldn't exactly kidnap my best friend. And Catherine says, all I ask was that you occupy her. And Caroline's like, you know what? I brought up mortality. I brought up how her relationship is doomed. And honestly, I think I really got to her. And Catherine says, I sure hope you did, because I killed you once and I'll kill you again. So then we go over to the Lockwood house. Mason has arrived home. And Tyler's like, oh, how was the barbecue? And Mason's like, not great. And Mason says, hey, are you still pissed? And Tyler says, are you still keeping secrets? And the answer to both those questions is yes. So Mason's like, okay, I'm going to go. And Tyler says, you know, I've been thinking about that moonstone. I know a couple places where it could be. And Mason's like, do you think this is a fucking joke? If you know where the moonstone is, fucking tell me. Which, of course, Mason, you've been making it seem pretty low stakes. So so to jump to the high stakes now, not a good plan. Yeah, because clearly there's more to the moonstone than it being sentimental now. And you just confirmed that. And so Tyler is glad to hear that the moonstone is high stakes because he wants to know how the curse is triggered. And this is great leverage. So he says, I'll tell you where the moonstone is if you tell me how the curse is triggered. And Mason says, if you know, you won't be able to think about anything else. And Tyler's like, I think I can handle it. And they go back and forth. They get a little angry. And Mason kind of loses his temper and he says, the curse is triggered when you kill someone. If you spill human blood, that's how you get the curse. And Tyler looks shook by this and Mason clocks it. So now we know if you have the werewolf gene, 
the curse is triggered when you kill someone. And I have two key questions here. Sure. One, who did Mason kill? That's an obvious question. Two, how did the mayor never kill anyone? He was a figurehead. Still. I mean, you. I would have thought that that would have somehow happened to him. He gives that vibe. Who would he have killed? I don't know. Fucking baby. Why would he have killed a baby? I don't know. He lost his temper. So you think Mayor Lockwood killed a baby? Well, obviously he didn't because he wasn't a werewolf. He's too angry and too much of like obsessed with being small town mayor that it's it's giving sociopathy in a way that makes me think he would have been more likely to kill someone than Mason. We don't know what Mason's been up to. That's the thing about the curse is obviously this curse wants to come out. So obviously it manifests in anger management, hoping if someone is that angry, they will eventually kill someone. How do you think Mason triggered the curse? How do you think he killed someone? Well, this depends on one big question of did Mason know how the curse was triggered before he triggered it? He specifically said he didn't. Oh, he did? Well, he specifically said he knew nothing about it until he triggered the curse. So we can assume that he didn't know killing someone would have triggered the curse. I think the bar fight scenario works very well for Mason as well. Because, you know, he has this anger and now he's gotten very like, strong at managing it but you know if you're young and you don't know that killing someone could trigger a curse in you you could accidentally get into rough of a fight you know maybe it's a friday night lights scenario but his jason street didn't wake up yeah maybe he played football and killed someone playing football yeah or like any sport or surfing i was gonna say maybe he accidentally knocked someone out of a boat but you think it was an accident it was an accident so here's my question based on that you think we're gonna see tyler kill someone I mean, I don't think he's going to want to. Like, if there were benefits to being a werewolf, like, maybe. But it's a curse. It doesn't seem like there are benefits to it. So, why, like, why would he do that unless it was an accident? Sure. So, last question about this scene. Why do you think Mason wants this moonstone so bad? What do you think the moonstone does? Do you have new theories about it? Because in the past, you thought it was a crystal. Well, it is a crystal. I'm sorry, I don't mean to lead you. What do you think the moonstone does why do you think mason wants it so bad i think the moonstone is essentially a bat signal or a wolf signal to find some other werewolves and why do you think mason wants to find other werewolves just to talk to somebody about what i don't know his life he's a little stressed well it seems like he's got transitioning under control it seems like he's got everything figured out i don't know i'm trying to think why george lockwood would want it i would think it would help control the transition okay and i just have one final thought on this tyler mason scene and it can be summed up in one word. Bonjour. <laughs> That's all I have to say about these two. Then we go back over to the grill. Stefan and Elena come in and Caroline's alone at the table. Caroline kind of calls Elena over and Stefan leaves them to talk. And Caroline says, Elena, I am so, so sorry about today. And Caroline is truly sorry. She didn't want to have to do all that. Yeah, she didn't want to do it. And Elena says, no, you were right. Everything you were saying was correct. It's just hard for me to hear. In your way, you were just being a good friend, which is true, but also not true because she was being manipulated by Catherine, whatever, it's complex. And Caroline's like, either way, I'm really, really sorry. And Elena's like, okay. And she nods and she walks over to Stefan. So Stefan and Elena sit down and get ready to order some food. And he's like, I'm hungry. And Elena's like, yeah, you spent all day with your jealous ex. And Stefan's like, look, we need to take Catherine seriously. And Elena says, well, she's not going to hurt me. She would have already if she was going to. And if she had her way, we'd be breaking up right now. And Stefan's like, she's dangerous. She's used to getting her way. 
she's sadistic. And Elena's like, look, every day our relationship is dangerous. You're just giving Catherine power by letting her control how you feel about it. And we see Caroline eavesdropping. Obviously, we knew she was eavesdropping. And Elena says, what Catherine wants is to get between us. And Stefan says she already has. From outside, this is like a fight about two different opinions about Catherine, where Elena's like, Catherine's going to mess with us no matter what we do, so we might as well date. And Stefan's like, I don't know, we should worry about it. Both valid points. This fight is fake, but I feel like had Elena known everything that Stefan and Catherine talked about, we would be having a much more real fight. Yes. I mean, he hasn't told her that like, oh, I might have actually been in love with her. Well, he's still repressing that. He's not ready to deal with that yet. You know, Stefan and Elena, I don't read that their relationship is going to go very well, even pretending that they're in fights because they both take things a little personally and that's fine. And so do I. But like with enough fake fights, some stuff is going to come out. Yeah. So Elena gets up to leave and Caroline clocks it. Of course, Stefan looks sad. He's putting on a performance. And then we see that Damon is also there and also eavesdropping, but he doesn't know everything Caroline knows. So that's drama. So then we cut outside the grill. Damon is leaving the grill and Catherine is standing on the street. He's like, oh, hey. And she says, oh, are you jealous? I spent all day with Stefan. He's like, yeah, I don't do jealous with you anymore. Bye. And she's like, why are you so pouty? And he's like, well, I tried and failed to kill a werewolf, so I don't feel great about that. And she says, well, they're not easy prey. And he says, what the fuck do you know about werewolves? He's like, are you fucking kidding? And she <laughs> says, ask your brother. And he's like, OK, I'm going to go. I'm not dealing with this. And she says, don't be the hero. If you do, you'll end up dead. And he said, yeah, been there, done that. At least this time it'll be worth it. Referring to when he saved Catherine and got killed by his own father. So then we go back over to the Gilbert house. Elena gets to her room post fight and Stefan is there. They hug and then they're like, that fight felt too real. So they faked the fight. We know that they kiss. And you said this before, but so obviously their plan is to fake break up and feed that information to Caroline, who will then feed it to Catherine. How do we think this plan's going to go? Uh, bad. Here's the thing about a fake breakup. For it to look real, you essentially need to break up. And Stefan and Elena are going to be like, oh, no, we break up. We won't see each other in person. Do you think Catherine doesn't have an eye on the Gilbert house and the Salvatore house? Where the fuck are they going to hang out in secret? It, that's just not going to go well. Yeah, they're going to hang out in secret at the Gilbert house, the first place anyone would look. I'm sorry. Do you think Catherine's just going to take the word Caroline to prove they broke up? Yeah. Catherine is not that stupid. So they talk about how they noticed that Catherine got to Caroline. Elena says, I know her too well. It was obvious something was up today. Mama, it was obvious to everyone. Elena, it took you a long time to figure it out, though. Stefan says, this is classic Catherine. She's always getting a henchman to do her dirty work. Seems like most people do that. It's a good plan. Don't you guys want to like worry a little, about, a little bit about Caroline? Like, what did she say to Caroline to get her to do this? You know, like and that Caroline's also in the middle of a transition. Don't you think you want to make sure Caroline's on your side right now? Because Caroline could easily switch over to Catherine's side if she offers her a better deal than you're offering her. And right now, all you're offering her is rabbits. Elena says, by the way, I couldn't help but notice Damon was also eavesdropping. Are you going to tell him this is fake? And Stefan says, no, um, the only way Catherine's going to believe this is if everyone believes it. I think you should tell Damon. Stefan, you're playing with fire here. I thought you didn't want Damon to kiss your girlfriend. It's just doomed. Even if you manage to hide this fake breakup from Catherine and Caroline, do you think you're going to be able to hide this from Damon? 
be realistic, guys. And then Elena says, all this to get you back. Tell me about it. For Stefan? And <laughs> Stefan says, listen, no matter what she says, that's not why she's here. She doesn't care about anyone but herself. She's incapable of love. She's here for another reason. Meanwhile, Catherine is walking through the town square and looks at the moon. And we flash back to 1864 as she's escaping. She sees Stefan and Damon dead on the ground and looks back at them. And George Lockwood is like, hey, your carriage is here. Now it's time for you to give me what I want. And she says, look, if anyone learns I escaped, I'm going to find you and kill you. Don't think I won't. And he said, yeah, cool with me. Whatever, lady. He said, yeah, I'm aware of that. (laughs) And she gives him the moonstone. I'll say this about the moonstone real quick. Catherine with Crystal. Emily Bennett did something. Emily Bennett did something to this moonstone, you think? I think she did something to the stone. Whatever power it has, I'm going to guess it's spelled. Everything's spelled. So George says, okay, time to go. And then Catherine looks back again at the Salvatore brothers. She runs back. She touches Stefan's face and says, I love you. We'll be together again. I promise. And kisses him. And in present day, she's looking at the moon and touching her lips. So I'm inclined to ask. She's made it as clear as she can that the reason she is here is for Stefan. Stefan still says, that's not true. That's not the only reason she's here. She's here for another reason. Who do you think is right? I think the far, far and away top reason is for Stefan. She might want to cause some chaos, but I think it's all in the service of getting Stefan back in some way. Yeah, so we learned more about Catherine. We learned more about werewolves. It's a big episode of learning. We're going to keep learning as we go. But that's the end of this episode this week. As always, if you have friends who like the Vampire Diaries or who you think might like the Vampire Diaries, suggest this podcast to them. And be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your listening platform of choice. And follow along with us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. So we'll see you next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.